Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Learn Corner Podcast. This is a podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. My name is Todd Hicksonball, a.k.a. The Todd Father. I got it this week, Caleb. It's back, and we have a great episode for you today. Today, we are talking with Dave Adamson. Some of you may know Dave. He is the host of the, he's the co-host of the Think Orange podcast. He sings sometimes with Ashley Bohink. Sometimes. He is the online pastor of North Point Ministries and helps run and lead all of their social media accounts across all of their different campuses. And he is the founder of the Aussie Dave Instagram account. Can you be a founder of an Instagram account? Yes, you can, because I just said it. And so it's true. So besides having an awesome Australian accent, um, Dave is a person who we kind of consider to be a curator. Um, he, he kind of, for one, yes, he does all those different things. But he, he also, with this Instagram page, he, he curates. It's not, it's not even just the Instagram page, though. It's literally almost in like everything that he does, it yeah. seems like. He's like a master curator because so he does this thing with the Instagram page, which I can't adequately describe what he does. It's basically like devotionals, like Christian devotionals for, on Instagram. But So he does that, but then he, with, with uh, North Point, you know, online and that campus, he, he, he's doing a, he's kind of curating with Think Orange. He's doing podcasts, right? He's in everything he does. He's curating things. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. So uh, he's a great person to, to learn from. And in the podcast episode, you guys are going to get to hear me have a technology fail again when I drop out of the recording. Yep. Todd just mysteriously disappears. I just disappear. Towards it's, the it's, end. it's magical. <laughs> It's, it's magical. But before we get there, Caleb, to the interview. We have our Learner's Corner podcast recommendation resource of the week. Ba, 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 ba. And I have two of them for you this week. Oh. Resource number one, in light of you know going to Orange Conference a couple of weeks um, ago, about a month ago now, um, and, and all that, I have started rereading some Orange books that, that have been out. And so one of them that I'm rereading right now is Parenting Beyond Your Capacity, which some of you might have seen. I've been tweeting about that a lot. Um, and so, phenomenal resource. If you're in ministry, um, great resource to give to parents in your ministry. If you are a parent, which is a lot of people out there, uh, phenomenal resource for you to read. Um, yes, it's a faith-based book, but there's tons and tons of stuff in there that's that's super applicable. Oh, yeah, super good. It's, it's super applicable. Might be the most, twe- I don't know about the most tweetable, there's been some. There's some really know, tweetable books out. There's there's a lot of tweets in there. So check that out. Second one, Caleb. Do you know what musically is? Yes. Oh my goodness! That's I, not the resource. Oh, it's of a the resource, week. man. No, that's listen, not the resource listen. Of the week. I have discovered musically recently, and I am obsessed with it. So if you want to follow me, you can do that at Hicks and Ball Todd on musically. Uh, resource. That's it, Todd's resource of the week. That is not the learner's. It, listen, it is a it is a phenomenal resource, man. This is a place where you can sing and dance. It's also actually, by the way, if you're a business person, it's a great thing to do. Gary Vaynerchuk all the time. He's been putting out all sorts of songs where he's working and he's also lip syncing to some of these songs. Great promotional thing. Just saying, resources of the week, parenting beyond your capacity, and musically, that has been your learner's corner approved. Resources of the week. Okay, before Todd starts singing, I think we need to get into this interview. So here's our conversation with Dave Adamson. Well, Dave, we're so excited to have you on the Learner's Corner podcast today. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. 
you know, you do a ton of stuff. You know, you host the Think Orange podcast, <laughs> you lead North Point online and their social media, and then you have your own huge like personal social media accounts and then photography. And just with, with all that stuff, you know, we've kind of, you know, come to view you as like a curator of content. And so can you just talk mm. to us about, you know, where this desire to curate and create memories and experience like started from for you? And are you, ne- are you always on your phone? <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately, my wife would probably say, yes, I am always on my phone. My kids would probably say the same thing. Um, it is a, it is a huge part of what I do, you know, is just being on my phone and gathering as much content as I possibly can. And I think for me, a big part of that is just, you know, um, I'm just a learner. Um, I just want to learn stuff. And so that makes me go seeking out good content. So I'm always Googling something. I'm always, uh, you know, trying to talk to people. I'm trying to find out what, you know, there's this great saying, uh, I posted on my uh, Twitter before that says, everybody knows something that you don't. And so for me, a lot of it just comes down to, I just want to learn. I just want to know what you know, like you guys. I know you guys know more than I do about a whole bunch of things. Well, I want to figure out what that is so that I can just improve my own knowledge a little bit. So I think it's just being a lifelong learner that has caused me to read a lot of stuff, caused me to listen to a lot of stuff, uh, watch a lot of stuff. Not all of it's great. Uh, You know, there's some mind-numbing stuff that I read and mind-numbing stuff that I'll watch from time to time. Um, but I curate it like, as in, I I guess, you know, I collect some of that stuff because I'm a dad now. Um, and you know, I've got three teenage daughters and I just want them to have access to as much of what's going on up here in my head as possible. You know, one of the, the things with my Instagram account, I always tell my kids, uh, when I die, everything I know about Jesus is going to be on my Instagram account. And it's going to be there for as long as there's an internet. So with any luck, you know, you're going to have access to this for as long as possible. Um, so it's become, it's kind of like a diary, right? The internet is kind of like a diary. Um, I mean, that's what blogs are about, I guess. But maybe I'm late to the game on that. <laughs> I have a question. Do you, so like with everything that you're learning about, do you post it on your Instagram or do you have like another place that you keep the stuff that you learn about too? Um, well, I leverage Evernote a lot. Uh, Evernote is my best friend. It's on every single device that I have. And I literally, I keep saying one day I'm going to organize all of my Evernotes and I probably need to get an Evernote for my Evernote (laughs) because I will literally just randomly drop stuff into things and go, I've got to save that. And and so I try to save as much stuff as I can. I've got literally got Evernotes that are just, um, like I call them bottom line quotes. And so if I've got to preach a message or if I've got to uh, speak at a conference or something like that, I've got a list of these catchy phrases that I've either picked up, modified, come up with in the middle of the night. Um, You know, a lot of it happens. A lot of it happens for me in the shower, actually, now that I think about it. Whenever I'm in the shower, I think of great stuff. I've said to my wife so many times, we've got to have a waterproof board or something (laughs) so that I can write things down. Um, So I leverage my Evernote a lot to curate a lot of this stuff. Uh, my Instagram is very specific. And when it, when it comes to my Instagram, I'm posting stuff that I'm learning about Jesus. I'm learning about the Bible. I'm learning about the historical context of my faith. Um, when it comes to great sayings, if I, if I hear a great saying and, and I'm, I'm lucky enough to be around some really smart people who say a lot of really wise things, um, I push that into my Evernote and then usually push it out on my Twitter account. 
Um, my Facebook is more about just whatever's going on in my any given day, some family things, stuff like that. So I try to leverage each platform for a different purpose. So Dave, um, one of the things that I've heard you talk about before, and I think it's important because um, we're, we're about to talk to you a lot about online presence and social media platforms and all that. But you've spoken before about the importance of connecting not only online, but also offline and meeting mm-hmm. with folks who maybe you've talked to or things like that online. Uh, tell us why it's so important in our culture to prioritize offline interaction. Yeah, dude, that's such a great question. You know, uh, the way that I kind of put it is always trying to move people from 2D to 3D. Um, mm. Like we can connect with people in 2D world like like this, like, you know, we're, we're, we're connecting now with your audience on podcast. Um, we, we connect with people on social media. We connect with people on video conference calls. But I think sometimes there's something about just being in the physical presence of somebody that you get to know them a little bit more. You get to understand their story. You get to pick up their quirks. You get to pick up their facial expressions and, and things like that. And, and I just find that um, such a key part of any relationship, you know, um, I, I, it, when you think about it from an online dating point of view, right, you can meet somebody online uh, on an app or, or something like that. But if you want the relationship to go any deeper, you have to ultimately meet face to face with that person um, so that the relationship can go further. And so I, I just I love the idea of meeting people from around the world online, through, whether it's through video streaming, whether it's through podcasts, whether it's through stuff I've read, even books, you know, I, I want to meet authors and, and talk to them about what drove their, their, their thinking, what, what was the, the, the driving force behind writing a book or something like that. So I've always just enjoyed that process of getting to know somebody a little bit more. And that, I've just found that that happens better in, in 3D world than in 2D world. And it's not that 2D world is less significant. It can be. You know, I, I don't live in the U.S. Uh, sorry, I live in the U.S. I don't live in Australia anymore, which is where I'm from. Um, but I've still got really close friends in Australia who I connect with uh, through Facebook posts, through, you know, direct messages and things like that. So it can maintain a relationship. But really, if you want that relationship to have really deep roots, I think there has to be an offline component to it. So I'm just really interested in that in for me personally. But then when it comes to the church and, and faith and things like that, you know, you, you really need to connect with somebody. Uh, people need to ultimately get into community at some point. Um, and so I'm always trying to encourage people to get into community. That doesn't have to look like a church building. It can look like a coffee shop. It can look like a dinner. Um, but that's just where things start to go to a whole new level. So for me, it's all about just driving it to a whole new level. Are there any ways that um, folks who have platforms like you who, who kind of do things in all sorts of different places are there any ways that you can that you've seen successful or or that have worked before where um, people organize things like that where you people can begin from a certain community maybe it's from somebody's Instagram community or um, through podcasts stuff like that where you can organize that I'm just curious because I'm thinking of something like a podcast which you guys do and you guys have something easy the, the Orange Conference where that's that's yeah. something really easy to do that but I'm thinking of other things like how are there other ways that you could organize things like that. Well, you know, there used to be a thing that was popular a few years ago called tweet ups where, um, you know, people who, yeah, people who follow others on, on Twitter and things like that would say, Hey, I'm going to be at this place at this time. And you know, people would show up and have copies. I remember when I first started, uh, online church, doing online church in uh, church in New Jersey, uh, we did an online meetup one time in New York and, you know, we had a, we had a handful of people show up. It, it, 
was a little bit awkward at first, but I mean, there's a common purpose, there's a common goal around that. Um, and so, yeah, I've seen those things happen to varying successes. And then if you have a look at YouTubers, man, when YouTubers do that sort of thing, like do a meetup with their fans, like I've, I've seen videos of people, like they've had to shut down entire streets because that has happened. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, I was in New York with a friend of mine who was visiting from Australia. And uh, we were driving down one of the streets. I, he was in the passenger seat. And, you know, as we were driving down, we could see like half a block ahead of us. There was a whole bunch of people piling out of this building and around uh, spilling out onto the street. And we were literally caught right in the middle of, of this massive crowd of people. And we could wow. not move. And, and, and we were the front car, right? We're the front car on the street. So everybody was congregating around us. And we were like, we had no idea what's going on. We don't know if this is a, a, a TV show. We don't know if there's a movie being filmed. But I kid you not, uh, Lady uh, Gaga walks out of the building, stands <laughs> on the hood of my car and addresses the crowd because she had tweeted something that said where she was and all of her followers just mobbed to that place. So, you know, I'm sitting in my car, There's, the car's getting jostled around. Lady Gaga is standing on the hood of my car. Um, and we, at that point, we had no idea what was going on until, uh, you know, we checked Twitter a little bit later on and found out what, what had happened. So, you know, that's the power though, that if you can meet up, you can, you can stop traffic. If you meet up, you can create a memory. Like this is a memory. My my mate and I, right. you know, my mate from Australia and I have this great story now um, of this time we we're in New York and something crazy happened, and that all happened because of a tweet. So I I try, I try to encourage people to do stuff like that when they can. Um, you know, I've never really done that with my Instagram followers, for example, but I still like to do live uh, Instagram stories with them and just answer their questions. It's not face to face. But it just takes the relationship one step further. You know, they get to see what I'm like in real life. Uh, they, you know, people DM me all the time and say, every time I read your uh, Instagram devotions, I read it with an Australian accent, which is hilarious because they've never heard me actually speak that I know of. Um, but you know, to have to to, ha to to go live and have them ask questions and have them say, oh, that's what I, I was wondering what you sounded like and stuff like that. I, I think it just takes the relationship to a whole other level. So I, there's something there's something really cool about doing that. I want Caleb. I wonder if you and I could get traffic to stop if we did this. <laughs> Hashtag well, it's life goals. It's worth trying. <laughs> <laughs> life goals. Well, hey, that was just. I wanted to preface the, the the this this conversation with you know, um, you know, meeting up and actually connecting offline because we're about to ask you a whole lot of questions about on online stuff, and so yeah, this this is this is yeah, kind of the beginning of that. So, what are you trying to accomplish? Uh, you have all sorts of different platforms and things that people um, are able to connect with you and see content from you through. So, what are you trying to accomplish with each of with each of your platforms? Let's start. Let's start there. And then yeah. the other thing I wanted to know is, um, along with that, how do you measure what success looks like for each of those? Two great questions. I would love to be able to say to you that I've got this grand strategy, but I really don't. Uh, <laughs> I got into this because I was interested in people and I was interested in technology. Um, so I wish I had, I, I really wish I had a strategy going into all of these things. I really didn't. I was just interested in a, in a couple of things. You know, I was interested, I'm always interested in people's stories. So that was, you know, that was part of it. So I figure I need to tell my story. I, 
I kind of always see myself as a little bit of a storyteller, I guess, in that, you know, when, when I was growing up, I had a very active imagination. I got into journalism to tell stories um, and then moved into church world, into, into ministry, and just loved hearing people's stories and loved sharing my stories. Became a photographer when I turned 40 and and realized I could tell stories using images as well. So I started just doing that. So for me, a lot of my my goal, you know, you, you ask about my goal and my platforms. I don't have a strategy going in, but I just want to tell stories. I want to tell my story. I want to tell my kids' stories. I want to tell other people's stories. And for me, because of because I'm a pastor, because I'm a Christian, you know, I think we've got this great story that we can tell, and we've got these great platforms through which we can tell them. And that's really where my Instagram kicked off. Um, you know, a couple of years ago on Instagram, I had 600 followers and they were regularly getting photos of my food and regularly getting photos of my feet when I was sitting at the pool. And, you know, just the standard stuff that everybody posts on Instagram. But then, you know, I started talking to my my youngest daughter who, you know, uh, ha- suffers from dyslexia. And, and I started talking to her about some Bible stuff. And, and I realized that when I showed her photos and, and linked the story to a photo, um, she she uh, withheld the story a lot more, was able to recount it uh, a lot easier. And so that's when I just started, you know, I'm going to tell these stories, the stories that I'm sharing with her. I'm going to share that on my Instagram. So I literally just started doing that. No other purpose than I'm going to I'm going to put onto my Instagram what I'm talking to my daughter about in our kitchen every morning. You know what I mean? And I had no idea what was going to happen with it. So that again, that's why I mean, I wish I had a strategy going into it because it would have been awesome. But I didn't. I just wanted to post something. Uh, I wanted to post so that my daughter's always had that uh, th- that um, content of what I know about Jesus available to them. And then it just sort of started to extend from there. You know, I think what I do on from a church online point of view, from a digital uh, point of view at North Point, is we're just telling stories. We're collecting and telling stories. The stories we're telling are about faith. The stories we're telling are about uh, people's lives being changed. The stories that we're, we're getting in are about people's lives intersecting with faith and how that's transformed their life or their friend's life or their, their transformed their marriage or transformed their work experience, transformed their careers. Um, so it's really just about that. And then what I do on, like, I, I get to host this podcast for for the Orange Group. And, and even that is just sharing stories to help people, to encourage people in ministry. So that's a long way of me saying I didn't really have a strategy except that I like encouraging people with encouraging stories. I should have just said that. That's that's 140 characters and therefore tweetable. You know, Dave, with with all these different platforms, do you have like a process that you go through to to like improve your your skills and improve like the quality of them? Uh, again, this this goes back to your first question. I'm always learning. Like, I want to learn from you guys. Like, what do you guys do for this? For me, <clears throat> here's my process. Um, so, so a lot of people ask me my process when it comes to my Instagram posts because if you're not following me on Instagram, I I'm a photographer. I take landscape, mostly landscape photos. I post them to Instagram and I connect it to some biblical principle that I've been learning. So typically, this might be any given day how the process might work. I'll be reading a book. Um, I will read something that expands my perception of God. I will read something that uh, transforms my faith, helps me take a step further in my own spiritual journey. And um, I will think, oh, I've got a photo that will go perfectly with that. So I then take the photo, write down the lesson into an Evernote, 
and save it for when I think it might be the appropriate time to do it. Um, and literally, that's what I'm doing. I'm just pairing a story that I've learned with a picture that I've taken, and then I post those. Uh, a lot of times, I will schedule them out in advance in that uh, you know, Instagram has just started to allow you to schedule things, which is incredible. It's a massive time saver for me. Um, but I schedule them out in that I've got an Evernote with them just listed and I just keep a running tab and I take the top one and I post it and then I put it back down to the bottom and that's my process. When it comes to my Twitter feed, typically my process is I use a, a software called uh, Buffer. And, you know, whenever I'm just gathering, if I'm reading something and this happened to me just yesterday. I was just looking around online and because I, I love Bob Goff, I found this quote from Bob Goff that I'd never heard before. It was an image and it was a terrible image, but I just wrote out the, I typed out the, the quote and posted it to my buffer. Now you won't see this until mid April because I'm that far <laughs> in advance. But let me tell you, when you read this, Bob, you know, if you're listening to this and it's, and it's the end of April and you just saw me post something about Bob Goff, that really moved me in early March. Uh, <laughs> that's my process. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to stay advanced. And, and you know, you talked, you, you talked about right at the outset, am I always on my phone? Well, this is one of the ways that I try to stay off my phone is I schedule my Twitter in advance so I don't have to worry about it. I've got two tweets going out every day, even if I'm on an airplane flying to Australia. Uh, two tweets are going to come out. Anything on top of that is just gravy. So if you see me post three, four times a day on Twitter, it's because during my day, something has happened that I've wanted to tweet about, or maybe I've got a YouTube. Yeah. Sometimes it's because I've got a YouTube, new YouTube video come out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got to ask you. So do you schedule like regular times, maybe not throughout the day, but throughout your week to where it's like, I'm just going to go search for stuff. Ah, that's a great question. Yes. The short answer would be yes. So, so I've learned a lot from Karen Newhoff, um, who's a pastor from, from Canada and he's like super like strategic. He's a great strategic leader. And, and, and I've had the opportunity to connect with him a couple of times through orange and, and interviewed him on the orange podcast. And he's just a guy who is super, uh, time scheduled and time managed. And he has just taught me a a, a bunch about that sort of thing. So what, what through, through his coaching, I've realized that I am really mentally aware first thing in the morning. Uh, that's my creative time. So I've literally got a time allocated in my calendar that starts at about 5am and goes till about 6.30am where it's just creative time. That's literally what it's scheduled in my calendar. And that's because my brain is active. And if you saw me in those moments, it's hilarious because I choose the mornings because, you know, that early in the morning, nobody's up on social media. Nobody's emailing me. Nobody's texting me. It's kind of like being on an airplane with really bad Wi-Fi, right? Nobody can interrupt me in those moments. Um, but but my mind just goes all over the place. I'll sit down and, and I'll look at something on Twitter and that sends me off in this rabbit burrow and suddenly I'm chasing tails and I'm all over the shop. But I'm pulling stuff together from all these different sources and I've specifically set that time aside. Um, often that might be times that that might be a time where I get some work done as well because something will, you know, inspiration will strike me and I'll start writing some stuff out. But that's typically time that I set aside specifically to read stuff, search for things, um, uh, process photos, start pulling some of my own stuff together. And then I will schedule stuff at those times as well. Now it ends at six 30 cause that's when my middle daughter gets up and I, I try, I try not, I'm not always great at it. Um, but I try to close my computer and just have a little conversation with her while she's getting breakfast ready and things. 
that I, I love. So I do the same thing with with just thinking, and I, I love that. I I do it though. I have my times in the afternoon. But what I love about that is, so for me, it's just thinking. So I'm just like, okay, maybe it was an idea that I wrote down somewhere and I, and I processed through that. But I didn't think of, hey, do you actually have a time when you not just think, but you're curating things? So I really, I, I love that, I guess. Just, I'm going to borrow that. I'm gonna yeah, please. I, I borrowed it off Karen Newhoff. Uh, it's not my original idea. He's just the one who made me think of it. When am I at my most... Uh, best potential to curate things, to read things, things like that. I'm also a big reader in the car. Man, Audible is a game changer for me. Oh, totally. Because, yep. you know, I live in Atlanta. Um, I don't know what you guys know. I don't know what the traffic's like in Ohio, but in Atlanta, it's Not terrible. Like Atlanta. <laughs> so I'm regularly just sitting in my car in traffic. You know what I mean? So rather than listening to terrible radio that they have here, well, yeah, let me rephrase that. <laughs> Some terrible radio. K-Love is awesome. Um, all the Christian stations are, are amazing. Um, but I just now keep the radio off and I just read books. And that has been a real game changer for me. So I'm reading twice, three times as many books as I ever read because I'm just redeeming that time that I would normally just be wasting away. I'm redeeming that by, by learning more things. What, what, are, what are like two or three of the you best books me. you've read recently? You literally beat me. <laughs> um, oh gosh, there's so many that I would want to. So uh, I always read. Uh, there's there's a couple of books that I read over and over, and that, that's probably the best ones to share with you. So there's an author who I love called Lois Tieberberg. Um, she wrote a book called Sitting at the Feet of Rabbi Jesus. She followed that up with Walking in the Dust with Rabbi Jesus, and then she just had uh, just brought out Reading the Bible with Rabbi Jesus. I read those books constantly. They're just fantastic books. Um, I'm right at the moment. Do, uh, do you guys do you know of a guy named Science Mike? Yes. Yeah. So I'm reading his book at the moment called oh. Finding God in the Waves. So good. So good, right? So I read that book and I'm like, oh, there's like a million things I could use for my Instagram feed, take a photo of stuff. And, and I just know that that's a possibility down the track. So uh, absolutely loving that book. I read Bob Goff's Love Does, um, Unaudible, which was awesome because he reads it. And when he's, when he's talking about being whimsical, there's nobody else I want to say the word whimsical than Bob Goff. Um, <laughs> So, so there are a couple of books that I've read that I absolutely love. Um, yeah, they're the first ones off the top of my head. I read a leadership book just recently uh, called Extreme Ownership by Two Navy Seals. Man, that was a good book oh, as yeah. well. Oh, um, yeah. Changed the way I approach a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah. I've read that a couple of years ago, and it's just a game changer. Yeah. And to hear them read it, I mean, when they're telling the stories about what happened, you know, it, in the Middle East and things, man, that got me so hooked. Mm -hmm. Well, hey, Dave, you know, kind of switching gears a little bit, you know, with all of this, you know, online connection, sometimes it could be, you know, you even talked about it being difficult to, you know, not keep your phone on you at some of the time. So what are, what are some of the practices that you put in to just remain grounded? Um, well, luckily I got married to this awesome woman and she keeps me grounded. Um, she speaks truth into my life and she will tell me if I, I'm, uh, you know, too distant and things like that. So that's very helpful. We have a couple of rules set up in our house. Um, you know, we've, as I said, 
got three teenage daughters, so we kind of have to have a few technology rules in our house. So one of those rules is every phone, every iPad, every device in our house is exactly the same password that we all know. So that way there's a level of accountability between all of us. So at any given moment, we all know that uh, anybody can pick up your phone and punch the password in and see what you've been looking at or see what you've been reading or see what you've been doing. Um, and so that's one. Another one is all uh, all the cell phones get charged in my wife and my bedroom. Um, again, it just means that if they're down in the kitchen, anybody can just wander down at one in the morning, which we had happen and, and would start texting friends and DMing and all sorts of stuff. So all of them get put into our room. Um, all phones go, get turned off at eight o'clock. Um, and go up into our bedroom for, for charging. So there's just that little bit of space. Um, and then we try to have, and we've been trying this for a while to varying degrees of success. And we have seasons where it's good and seasons where it's bad, but we try to have a technological Sabbath. So from Friday, like Friday evening to Saturday evening, it's no phones, um, no devices, no anything. Like, it's funny, I, I, can't re, I can't listen to Audible on Friday nights and Saturdays uh, because that's on a device and we're trying to not, you know, have that, have that happening. So uh, I have to buy, you know, still have to buy hard, cup, uh, hard versions of every book so that um, I can actually continue reading, reading on the weekends. But there's little things like that that we have in play that have really helped keep things a little bit, um, little bit grounded. I, I still think there's more we could do. Um, I still think, like, I still keep thinking that I need to have a place where when I get home, when I get home, when I walk in the door or whatever, when my kids come home, uh, if I'm lucky enough to be home at, on that day, that there's a place I can put my cell phone so it's out of reach, out of sight, and I'm not going to be going to it. Um, so I've got that time where I can spend with them. Um, another, another little thing is, well, it's not little, it might seem little, but you know, my wife and I try to go for a walk after dinner every night where we, uh, take a phone just in, for, from a safety point of view and make sure our kids are okay. But, um, it's just a time where we just walk and we've got this set little track that we go around our neighborhood. And if, uh, you know, we debrief the day and we talk about things that are coming up and we just get a chance to reconnect before we, we go to bed. But if we need to, we just do the lap again. We've got a, we've got a short walk and a long walk, depending on what's been happening during our day or, or where we're at with our family. So they're just a couple of things that we have in an effort to try to keep things level. So kind of switching gears a little bit, we want to focus on like to the future of online platforms. Yeah. So what maybe like what are one or two things that you've noticed about online platforms, you know, recently, or if you've learned about recently about, you know, some future trends for online platforms? <coughs> Yeah, that's a great question, man. We we are going through a a big shift, change stuff, uh, changing up how we do things from an online point of view, simply because the world has changed so dramatically. It seems in the last year or so, um, and that's having it. Oh, maybe two years. I, I think probably the secular world is a little bit ahead of uh, of the church world, um, but it's starting to shift how we're doing everything, and and, and that is this idea of. Uh, what we're calling omni-channel. Um, it used to be multi-channel. People would have a multi-channel approach. So, uh, you know, physical attendance was one channel and, and uh, you know, watching online was another channel and maybe podcasting was another channel. And they, they were all in the same same vicinity and, and under the same uh, roof, but 
um, they really had different strategies, different systems, different goals, different uh, definitions of what a win was. Whereas with omnichannel, everything is just combined around the same purpose. So it's had to shift a little bit. So here's a, here's, here's a good example of what I mean. Um, you know, uh, I think Amazon is a good example of it. Uh, Amazon used to be purely online. We would just shop online. And that, that was our options when we wanted to use Amazon. And we, in, the, in our house, we use Amazon all the time. Every day is just about, <laughs> just about every day is like Christmas because there's always packages arriving. Um, but, you know, now, now what Amazon has said is they're like, well, we don't want to just be in the online world. We want to be in the offline world as well. And I know down the mall that's close to our house, North Point Mall, I can go in there and there's a pop-up shop that's a permanent pop-up shop that's an Amazon shop. They sell Amazon stuff in a pop-up shop at a mall because they're trying to enter the physical space. Now, the, the funny thing is I've been in there and played around with their Alexa, right? And and I've said, hey, um, you know, this is really cool. Can I can I buy this? And they're like, yes, you just have to go to amazon.com to buy it, which I'm like, well, why am I in this pop-up store if I can't buy the thing physically? But that's not the purpose. Their purpose was we want to get you to have a feel of it and experience it and then go back to where we were. So that's an omni-channel approach. You know, they're, they're, one is integrating with the other. Starbucks is another great example. Starbucks, you know, I can order my coffee right now and uh, go in and, and just drive through the drive-thru and pick it up. So it's offline and online. Uh, Home Depot is the one I always use as the example. Um, you know, right now, man, we could, we, could order, we could order a chainsaw right now online, and we would get an option that said we can either wait five days to get it, or we can drive five miles to the nearest Home Depot and pick it up. It's already paid for. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that dual thing. Um, that's that uh, omni-channel approach where what I do online gets integrated into what I'm doing offline, which can then get into, reintegrated into what I'm doing online again. So from a church point of view, you know, churches typically work in series, right? So say there's a four-week message series that your church is rolling out. Well, we also know from a whole bunch of research that the typical person who goes to church goes once every four weeks. So if there's a four-week series, they're only literally in the building for one of those weeks. So what are we doing to give them the option to continue with the other three weeks of the series? Well, we can, they can live stream it. They can podcast it. They can watch it on demand. Now we, you know, we're into YouTube so that they can watch it on our YouTube channel. Um, there's a whole bunch of different ways that they can connect with that series. So we're trying to look at how can we, how can we use technology to stay connected with people for the other 167 hours a week beyond just that one hour that they have with us in a physical building that doesn't require them to come in anymore because that's just not the, the way the world works. If the world still worked that way, man, we'd still be going down to Blockbuster <laughs> to get DVDs, right? Yeah. But we don't. And why don't we do that? Because we can live stream. But if you walked into a Blockbuster six months before Blockbuster went bankrupt, they were still trying to make the DVD hiring, ex- renting experience as good as possible. Hey, now you can also get the popcorn for the movie while you're here. You can get candy for while you're here. So come into the store and get, pick up your DVD and get all the – nobody wanted to do that. So they're trying to figure out the best way to get this uh, DVD rental thing happening six months before they went bankrupt. Well, on the other side of town, Netflix was like, hey, we don't – we don't need people to come into a store. We'll just send DVDs to them. And while we're still doing that and that business is still going well, let's let's have a look at this streaming thing because that seems to be taking off. That's why Netflix is now, you know, I think their stock has improved like it's something like 120% in the last nine months 
Their stock has gone through the roof because they figured out this whole online thing. They moved their model from completely just send DVDs to letterboxes, which was innovative enough, but they didn't say, hey, we've just innovated the way DVDs are distributed. They said, we've got to keep innovating this, and now they're streaming it. And then they now they're winning Oscars, they're winning you know, Golden Globes and everything. That's what the church needs to be doing. We need to be innovating our model, and our model has shifted. It's like the model was, you know, when, when, before cars were invented, the model was we're going to put a church within walking distance of everybody in our town, right? Mm-hmm. Then cars came in and the model shifted. Everybody said, well, we've got to buy more land so that we can put parking in, parking lots in. Well, the model has shifted again. And now we don't need big parking lots. We need better digital access. We need different platforms to get stuff out there. We, and, and the great thing is, the world is already inventing this for us, right? YouTube is is crazy. It's second biggest search engine in the world, second biggest website in the world, um, owned by Google. The analytics we get there are incredible. So if you're a church and you're not on YouTube, you are uh, totally missing out on where the next generation is headed. Mm-hmm. So let's say that, like, what, what would you say would be like the first step if a church is going, you know, Dave, I totally, I get you. I want to become more omni-channel. What would you say would be the first thing that they need to start doing? Um, I, I would suggest uh, it'd be, I couldn't just do it to two things. So I'm going to pull a Jesus okay. on you. All right. <laughs> hey, what is the greatest commandment? Then I'm going to give you two. So you've asked for one thing and I'm going to give you two. Um, one is theoretical, one is practical. So the theoretical one is this. I think you just need to shift your thinking a little bit. You need to realize that in the world that we live in, digital access to content is not going to get less. It's actually going to get more. Um, this is just the way people access content now. So we have to, we have to get to a point where we're okay with that. That is a huge hurdle to get over because our model for so long has been we want our rooms filled as much as possible. The model for so long, you know, worship leaders like leading worship to a full room. Preachers like preaching to a full room, right? And that's that's I totally get why. That's totally understandable. But unfortunately, in the way the world is nowadays, that's not how people access content anymore. So we need to get over that little hurdle and accept that people are accessing content in a completely different way now. If we get over that, then that's the first step. So then the second part of that is, well, what's the easy first way to dip our toe into this whole omni-channel thing? Well, I, I would give, um, I was going to give one example. Now I feel like I should give two. One would be start a YouTube, dude, start a YouTube channel. Simple as that. Just post your your service record your service even if it's just record the message and put the message on youtube for one reason and one reason only 81% of millennials believe that they can learn anything they need to know about life from a youtube video i'm not a millennial and i still use it all the time to learn things hey my the, the, i've got a leaky faucet in my house i'm going to get on youtube and figure out how to fix it hey i need to change the engine the the oil in my car i'm going to get online and i'll watch a video that tells me how to do this stuff you know what i mean um so that's not going to change. So just start a YouTube channel and start posting stuff to to YouTube. Post your message to YouTube. If you if you show a baptism testimony in your service, post that to YouTube and just start doing that. Get into that space. And then the second one would be if you're not already doing it, start YouTube. Uh, sorry, start Facebook Live. Just live stream your service. If you're already doing that, then change what you're you, uh, Facebook living. Facebook live your service on a Sunday, but on a Wednesday, get, you know, have somebody get up and just talk about 
talk about the message, talk, add extra content to the message. Do you know what I mean? Like create some additional content that you're Facebook living during the week for one reason only to stay connected for those other 167 hours of the week. Now I know some churches who are listening to this might be going, well, we don't know what to do. Well, here's the thing. If during your message, the pastor talked about some kid who, who overcame an extraordinary childhood and went on and did something amazing with their life. And he told that story. He or she told that story have them interview that kid on Wednesday just to add that little bit of extra information. You you know what I mean? I mean, we've been talking about DVDs. I see Facebook Live as a potential to have DVD extras. Do you remember when you would buy a DVD (laughs) or a Blu-ray of a movie because you wanted to listen to the director's commentary or you wanted to watch the gag reel or you wanted to see how the movie was made? Well, we have the opportunity to do that in church. We have the opportunity to provide extras during the week for free simply by uh, going live on YouTube, going live on Facebook, going live on Instagram. So, Dave, I'm sure that there's some things, you know, in your conversation, you've probably noticed, like, there's some probably some things that people are overestimating, like, whenever it comes to the importance of, like, online platforms and stuff like that. What would you say, you know, maybe there's some things that people tend to overestimate whenever it comes to online platforms? Or is there anything? Um, I would say the one thing, the one thing is this, and this might be so harsh. Um, you know, when, when people start, when churches start streaming their services and they have a look at the amount of IP addresses that, that have watched it, I think we can overestimate the impact that that is having. Um, you know, I, I know of many churches who, um, you know, will will start streaming their services online and will get you know, 50,000 people watching or 50,000 IP addresses, or they work out a formula that works out how many people per IP address, which I think is smart. But when they look at their analytic, their analytics tell them that the average view time was, you know, 20 seconds. The average view time was 11 seconds. That's when I'm like, I don't know if, I don't know if life change can happen in, in, in 20 seconds. I don't know if life change can happen in 11 seconds. That to me is an example of some people who maybe stumbled onto the website and then bounced off as soon as they realized it was a Christian website. But that, that would apply to Facebook Live as well. Um, one of the reasons North Point, at North Point we don't do Facebook Live of our services, just one of three reasons, is that we would get great vanity stats. We know that we would get 200,000 people watching um, and it would be great for me to walk into a room of our church leaders and say, hey, 200,000 people viewed the service today. But we also know from analytics that the average view time of a video on Facebook is 11 seconds. Does 11 seconds change somebody's life? I don't think so. So I think we overestimate, we overestimate the impact that we're having online when we don't look at analytics. And uh, please hear me say this. I'm not a huge analytics guy. Like I have to, I, it's part of my job. I have to do a certain amount of analytics and, and assess data, but I'm assessing data for opportunities to connect and engage with people. Uh, one of the things I like to say is numbers matter because people count. So unless we are um, doing something that's engaging people for, for longer than 11 seconds, then we need to reassess what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Can you say what are the other two reasons why you don't do, you know, Facebook Live? <laughs> I thought you might ask that question. Um, 
So look, you know, for us, uh, one of them is, uh, you know, we've created our, at North Point, we've created our own church online platform. Uh, within that platform, we have the opportunity to uh, direct people to other ministry areas if they want to sign up to serve, if they want to watch previous uh, messages, if they want to write us an email, if they want to identify as a potential group leader, if they want to sign up for any of the ministries that we have that are, uh, are focused on reaching new people or people who are new to faith, then we've we've got that all encompassed in our own ecosystem. So if we push that out to Facebook Live, we lose all of that or we make it a little bit harder for them to, to navigate around and find that stuff because they have to go searching for posts on our Facebook page. Whereas on our church online platform, it's all there. It's all just laid out how we would want it laid, laid it out, have it laid it out. So therefore, we we have a little bit more control over that. And then the other big one for us is is copyright issues. You know, when it comes to streaming music, um, unless it's our own music and we do a whole service and, and there's a lot of churches that are doing this now, you know, Elevation is is great at their uh, Facebook live of services and they do all of their own music. Uh, we don't typically do that. Uh, well, there might be some Sundays where we do, but as soon as we do a Hillsong United, a Bethel, a, um, an Elevation song, we have breached copyright um, because our web license doesn't cover social media. And so, mm-hmm. and, and, and this is where the technology, the, the law hasn't caught up with the technology yet. Now, I know a lot of churches are doing it and that's okay for us. It's about, you know, we are a large church and so we have a much larger target on our back. Um, and so we don't want to just, we don't want to risk that. Um, we don't want to risk being having our page shut down because we just wanted to stream a service online when we get so much better access and analytics off offline in our church online platform. So there's the three copyright, uh, uh, engagement on our, uh, on our website through our platform and then vanity stats as well. So on the flip side, you know, we talked about what people may overestimate. What are some things that you see that people are underestimating whenever it comes to online platforms? Um, I think we, we underestimate the, um, level of engagement that churches can have when it comes to social media. Um, so often, so often churches and Christians, churches are still leveraging uh, social media as just an electronic billboard um, where it's all one-way communication. Come to this event, come to that event, sign up for this, volunteer for that, give to this. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, oh, we've got this night of worship coming up. We've got this bake sale coming up. We've got whatever it is, these events, and we push only events out. Uh, when we do that, uh, we're underestimating the power that social media has to engage people in a conversation. I, I love saying that uh, we need to invite people into conversations, not to events. Uh, and, and question marks are greater than periods. Don't just tell people something. Invite them into a conversation. When we, when we, when we stop engaging people in conversations on social media, then we have underestimated the impact that social media has on the world. Another part when it comes to social media would be, um, you know, more and more people are leveraging social media as a way of connecting with a brand, uh, even if that's a complaint or a question about something. And I, I see a lot of churches are so interested in, 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 in pushing out their own information, almost shouting at people that they don't listen anymore. Um, you know, I was reading something the other day that said 81% of people expect a brand to respond to their question on Twitter in an hour or less, but the average brand takes 10 hours to do it. Um, 
Now, from a church point of view, man, we should be we should be on the cutting edge of this, right? Because here's how I look at it. If somebody is driving down the highway, they've never been to our church before, and they tweet at us or direct message us on, on Facebook or Instagram and say, hey, I'm, it's 8.45, I'm on my way to church, I've never been before, what exit do I get off? And we wait 10 hours to get back to them? Well, they're going to the next church, or, or they might not go to church at all. Mm-hmm. So we have to be, I think we have to be the best at this. So so one of the goals we have for, especially for Sundays, is we want to respond to everybody in 10 minutes or less. So 100% response in 10 minutes or less. Um, and when it comes through the rest of the week, 100% response rate in 60 minutes or less. Mm-hmm. Because we want to be ahead of the curve on that. If people are coming to the church and asking questions, man, we need to be right there on it, responding straight away. Mm-hmm. Now, just as we're getting ready to wrap up, you know, we have a few questions that we always love to ask everybody. And kind of the first uh, one is... This the, is this the rapid round? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. You know, what's one thing that you've started doing recently that's helped you a lot, either personally or professionally? Uh, the first thing that pops in my head is Audible. Um, yeah. That has helped me so much. Having Audible on, on my iPad, having Audible on my phone uh, has been incredibly beneficial. Another one would be getting AirPods. Um, <laughs> that just has helped me from a uh, using using my commute to, to get stuff done. Um, and leveraging, you know, the, the voice recording on your, uh, the, the voice memo on my phone to collect ideas and gather ideas. That's another, another huge one. And then just getting up earlier to set up, to, to allocate that time where I can, um, allocate that time where I'm, um, specifically set aside to, to be creative, to curate content, to write, to do things like that, that that's probably been a game changer as well. Mm-hmm. How do you learn best? Like if you're trying to learn something the best that you can, do you have a specific way that you try to? Yeah, for me, it's all about doing it. Um, you know, uh, I want to fail forward. So I don't mind trying something and failing uh, because that's how I learn stuff. So uh, yeah, I, I just learn by doing. Um, also learn by hearing. I mean, Audible, again, listening to podcasts, listening to messages, uh, listening to books on tape. Uh, for some reason, some of that stuff sticks in my head a little bit more and I can become a little bit photographic in my memory recall of certain things if I've heard it play out. Mm-hmm. And then just the last question is, what are you learning right now? What am I learning right now? Um, well, I'm trying to learn a lot about engaging people better on digital, uh, through digital. Uh, so that's one thing that I'm really learning about. Uh, creating psychographs is another one that I'm learning about. You know, uh, what the what the average person who follows us, follows our uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, that sort of thing, learning about that. Always learning about the the Facebook and, and uh, Instagram algorithms as well, uh, mm-hmm. because they're constantly changing. You have to keep learning those things, yeah? yeah? Yeah. Is is there a specific resource that you go to learn about that stuff or a specific website or something? Or is it just mainly like looking through Google? Um, yeah, it's Googling a lot of stuff. It's reading some blogs like the the, the Instagram blog is, is a really good blog when it comes to keeping people up to date with, with uh, changes to algorithms and, thing, and things like that. Then there's a whole bunch of Facebook groups that I'm a part of um, where uh, there's people who are in the same sort of position or the same sort of field that I'm in. And uh, they, they'll write down things that they're learning and I'll just pick up from them. Then there's a you know a bunch of churches that I follow as well or I know their staff, um, uh, the people who do what I do at their church. And I try to stay in contact with them. You know, the, the, the social media guy 
at Life Church is one, at New Spring is another. Um, so I just try to have those relationships where I'm learning from people. Mm-hmm. Well, Dave, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. If people want to yeah, continue man. to learn from you, what, where's the best way they can do that or find you? Uh, well, on most social media, I'm Aussie Dave, A-U-S-S-I-E, Dave, D-A-V-E. Uh, that's on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, and then uh, Aussie Dave Adamson on YouTube as well. And my website is Aussie Dave. Uh, sorry, my website is DaveAdamson.tv. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. No worries. Thank you, guys. Okay. Well, Todd, you had part of a good conversation with... I had I had about, uh, what, 50%, 60% somewhere? I don't there? think it was that much. Oh, and I had a whole 100% good conversation with Whatever. Dave. What were some of the things that you took away from it? So he talked at one point about uh, two different things. So one was him, he talked about how he, he borrows these moments, like when he's on airplanes and stuff like that to kind of consume things, but also schedule things and all that. And he also talked about how he gets up like you um, before normal people should ever be up and and how he uses those moments to be able to uh, a think about things and kind of cure. We asked him the question about how does he curate content? How does he find content? And so he uses those moments to be able to do that. And so for me, um, some of you may have heard me talk about this, but I'm, I'm always trying to build in every day. I try to build in about an hour of what I call white space, which is just time for me to actively set aside time to think. And it could be it, it could be structured thinking, so I'm thinking specifically about a project, or it could be unstructured time where I'm I'm just thinking in general, which is even scarier. Well, I took that and kind of have comp- have have compressed it with Dave's idea about uh, kind of finding new content and, and, and being able to curate things dude it's been awesome yeah it's my takeaway what about you yeah i mean i think the other thing that i took away is just being willing to innovate and change what you do all about you know the example netflix blockbuster and we've all heard that a lot but it's true is that if you're not willing to change the i guess the how thing, yep then eventually you're going to be left in the dust. And then you become irrelevant. I mean, that's what eventually would happen. I mean, you, you become irrelevant. Exactly. Churches pay attention. Hey, I went there. So we have a great episode for you next week. We're talking with Laura Vanderkamp. Now, that may sound familiar to some of you. She's written um, one, one of my favorite books about time management is what the most successful people do before breakfast, and I like that because I get up early. Because you're a nerd. But she she's kind of like a time management guru. She's written a ton of books about it. She's written articles for several publications, and she's done a TED Talk and all sorts of good stuff. And she's got a new book coming out called Off Clock. Feel her, less busy while getting more done. Her TED Talk's one of like the most viewed ones of all time, it's too. It's so good. Like I said, He's a time management guru. Next week is going to be super practical. So if you struggle with time management, definitely want to tune in next week. And the best way to make sure that you don't miss that next episode, you know what it is, Todd? Hit that subscribe button. And if you enjoyed this episode, if you learned something from it, Todd, what's the best way that someone can show their appreciation for it? Pay me $10.
Actually, you can write a review, and you can do that on iTunes, and you can also leave us a rating. Those are the best ways for us to and be able to gain can, exposure. It will literally take you less than, than two minutes. Less than two minutes, and you can do it. Or you can also pay me $10. I mean, either which way. Or let us know what you're learning about on social media. Hit us up on Twitter, at Learners Podcast, or at Todd Duke, or at Caleb Mason, and let us know what you're learning about. Or send us, and you can use this as well, Hit us up on Instagram. Hey. Show us what you're reading right now or what you're listening to. I'm at Hicks and Ball Todd. Do it. At Caleb J. Mason or at The Learner's Corner. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of The Learner's Corner. We hope you learned something. My name is Caleb Mason. My name is Todd Hicks and Ball. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing. Deuces, y'all.